You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. So an actor is saying his lines, and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. Jim Hogan, welcome to Guys Select Musicals. Wow. This is an honor. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I, I feel like I have listened to so many of these. Have you actually? Absolutely. When the Shoshana Bean one came out, I was like, oh, okay, this is like a week. This is a weekly worthy pod. This is amazing. Wow. Like these guys. Serious. No, I'm serious. I love it. I love it so much. Thanks, man. Thank you. It's been yeah. hard. We haven't really like, it's been hard to do, but here we are. And I think we like the new format because it's not hard. It's more fun. Now yeah. we're watching musicals again. And um, thank you for being here. Oh my God. Yeah. How about... Some of your time away from your TikTok to um... of co- well, <laughs> social, me- social media star, Jim Hogan. How did that happen? Actually, I'll tell you how that happened. That happened because of Dan Tracy. That's like genuinely how that happened. He's going to take full credit um, for it in about one second. Well, he kind of so should even have to. He, he already did it for sh- me. <laughs> he kind of should. He, Dan, what are we, uh, you were doing this. You were, do- you were talking to your Instagram one day and you were like, guys, you don't understand. TikTok is the new frontier. And I was like, what? I had like, I had heard of TikTok like maybe like once in my life. And you were like, you're like straight up, no strings, free consultation, just DM me. And I was like, okay, that seems pretty easy. What are you talking about, Dan? And then we had like a really nice, like 20 minute conversation of you like explaining this cool platform to me. And you were like, I really think your stuff that you've already done would like, would work well on there. And then what, six months later, we're... We're still doing it. So I have screenshots of you the day that you put out the um the frozen medley. Yeah. At just like notching. Cause you what was it like a hundred thousand followers that day? You guys got a million views in twenty four hours or something like that? Yeah, it was something it was like pretty that, crazy, yeah. right? I it was insane. I um, yeah, I don't know how that's possible. And I but. was just like watching it like ha <laughs> 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 I knew it would work. Um <laughs> No, but you know, it's, it's a testament to kind of the stuff that you guys do. And, um, if you guys haven't heard of T3, the TikTok tenors, um, they have an Instagram now, just check out Jim, uh, Jim on Instagram or Jim on TikTok. And there's a lot of good stuff there. They're doing some brilliant stuff. And I can't wait till you guys are like touring the country or whatever. Like you have like a, a show that you put together of acapella groups or something. I can't wait to see what you guys do to actually like build off of this idea. Cause I think it's genius. It's so cool. Um, the arrangements oh, are thanks. so good. I mean, it's yeah. just like, I mean, I remember when the Frozen one came out when I, I was in Frozen and, and the whole building yeah. shut down. People were like, yeah, you got to watch who are these guys and what the <laughs> hell are they doing? And so that was really cool. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of, I don't, I don't know him, but I know him. And <laughs> like, you know, so it's, it's, you're really like, awesome. we hung out on college football Saturday once. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. Uh, it really was wild. I it's I'm still pretty dumbfounded about the whole thing. And we are totally unsure of what any next steps would be now right. that there is no touring. There is no like 
getting in a van with my two good friends and just like going to venues in small cities across the country. Um, yeah. You know, like with the with the success of of Into the Unknown, and then subsequently, like most, it's mostly just the big three. It's like we call them. It's like uh, Into the Unknown, Define Gravity, and When the Party's Over. We have a manager now, and we have a booking wow. agent, and we have all these things that like don't really matter at the moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. it's because like there are parallels as well to to being an actor on stage. So we're we're just making content and hoping that eventually we can get out there for people that's well awesome. i can't wait to sidebar about that because i want to hear more about what that is but let's get into yeah. what we called you here today for what which is yeah. to talk about phantom of the opera which dun, is dun, our dun, musical dun, we love this week <laughs> yes joe's singing as if we haven't already played 14 versions of this song <laughs> leading that's what into I'm gonna do this for moment the whole, like for the whole it, hour i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep i'm just gonna underscore the whole thing just like yes, please do quietly, and then you guys can talk about it and i'll just yes. be in the background you know <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. As stupid. I like plow through the history and all of these these facts, we can just underscore God, it. So it's super this was epic. So fun. You know? This was so fun it. this week to to revisit this show um, that I know was so is so iconic and was so iconic for all of us. You know, growing up in theater and you know the longest running musical of all time. We're gonna get to all of this stuff. Um, but Jim, why don't we? Can we talk about your history with it a little bit? Yeah. Um, I was. A replacement in the ensemble of the national tour of Phantom of the Opera, the spectacular new Phantom of the Opera. So, um, what does that mean? The spectacular new? What did they? What made it spectacular new? Yeah. So, I, I want to say in like 2010, Cameron McIntosh put together a version of Phantom of the Opera with a different director and a different choreographer and a different set designer that toured the UK and was was relatively successful but obviously you know they still had the original what they call the brilliant original uh <laughs> still running uh still running on the west end so this was like a tour of the uk right mm -hmm. and i think it went so well that since there was no tour of phantom of the opera running in the u.s at the time cameron was like well let's just take the spectacular new over to the states and it launched and i want to say like september of 2013 uh -huh. and i joined in september of 2016 and had three different stints there, um, totaling probably just under two years. Wow. Um, but yeah. it was still a massive production. We were, we were touring with 20 trucks at a time. Two were advanced sets going to the next uh, city while we were in the current city. And it was just like... Whoa, whoa. It was just, That's so crazy. They, 20 trucks. The original is like 35, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the brilliant original trucks, is definitely bigger. You mean semi-trucks? Semi semi -trucks. Yeah. Yes. 18 wheelers. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. Waitress, I think we had four. Yeah, Sound of Music, we had three. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, definitely one on, on my non-equity tour of Spring Awakening. So right. that's kind of like giving you uh, some kind of... Yeah, just you know. super low-tech. This is a super low-tech, low-budget <laughs> yeah. uh, budget. Operation. Yeah, yeah, low-budget. Low yeah, totally. <laughs> we are going to uh, launch right in here. Uh, we're going to talk about all things Phantom and I'm going to go as fast as I can so that we can get to the good stuff. History with Dan rapid fire fast as quickly as possible. Yeah. The uh, thing for you all to know is that before we get into spoilers and talk too much about kind of what is going on in the show, you can watch that Royal Albert 25th anniversary concert version that we were referencing yep. starring Sierra Bogus and Ramin Karimloo. Um, 
you can rent it from YouTube and you can rent the film, the feature film from 2004 starring Emmy Rossum and Gerard Butler from uh, Amazon Prime. It is different. The yep. movie is different than the stage production as it usually is. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. But they're both wonderful for their own reasons. Um, so Phantom began previews in London at Her Majesty's Theater on October 9th, 1986, directed by Hal Prince, which is why we're covering it, because last week we were talking about another Hal Prince show. Hey. It's based it's based on a novel by Gaston Leroux. Uh, it's a French novel from this by the same name, which lots of people disparage that the novel is trash, including Andrew Lloyd Webber, which is hilarious. Um, Wait, they think the novel's trash? Like the novel's like, yeah, like, like it's kind of all over the place. Uh, It's like, it doesn't really know what it is. It wasn't commercially successful at the time, but he read the book and ultimately he was like, this could be something. So uh, the West End production was fairly successful at the time. It wasn't a huge hit. Nobody knew it was going to play as long as it has, but they transferred it to Broadway in 1988 and it opened on January 26th of 1988 starring the original stars of the West End production Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman who was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber at the time Michael Crawford Hello Dolly not a big deal Cornelius (laughs) and Hello Dolly in the movie look it up Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Also, just quickly, because I'm talking, um, Alex Fink did Unmasked at Paper Mill, and it was all about Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff. The, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber said the first preview of Phantom in London was, it was so technically crazy. The first preview went technically perfect. It's the only show that he's ever done where there were no changes made from the first preview until opening night. Wow. Yeah. What? I Which will be even more sick. impressive when we talk about all of the crazy shit that goes on in this show. It's currently the longest running show in Broadway history. It's still open. It has played 13,370 performances, give or take. The next closest is the 1996 Chicago Revival, which has run 9,692 performances, followed by Lion King and Cats. Cats was the longest running show of all time, but has been surpassed by Phantom quite substantially <laughs> it has played over 100 it has played to over 140 million people in 35 countries in 166 cities around the world and it's grossed an estimated six billion dollars with at a least. b billions of a thousand million um, <laughs> it's hard for me to comprehend that sometimes because it's a lot of money it's performed in 15 languages we're going to play a language game later in the episode stick around for that no. there are 19 official cast recordings that's which is crazy. probably the four English casts and then the 15 languages. The original cast album was the first British musical in history to be number one on the music charts. Uh, it oh. sold more than 40 million albums worldwide. There's 125 cast and crew and orchestra members directly involved in each production on Broadway and in the West End. Obviously, Jim's production we've recognized has been uh, pared down a little bit, but still lots of people employed. Um, Phantom has been the largest single generator of income and jobs in Broadway and U.S. theatrical history. I'm sure someday it will be replaced by Hamilton, but for now... (laughs) I mean, this is commerce. I mean, this maybe, is, maybe if Hamilton, this if, is a mega hit, if Phantom just keeps running, it, you know, Hamilton will never catch it in that way. You right. know, like if yeah, they both just true. continue to run and Phantom runs on Broadway for 50 years, which it very right. well may, you know, that's a, that's a super cool stat. The largest single generator of income and jobs in Broadway and theatrical history. That's, that's sick. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's wild. Um, 
They've it won uh, the original production in the West End, won four Olivier's, including Best Actor for Michael Crawford and Best Musical. Uh, it won seven Tony Awards, Best Musical, Best Lead Actor, Michael Crawford, Best Featured Actress, Judy Kay, who played Carlotta, uh, Best Director, Best Scenic Design and Costume Design and Lighting Design and Choreo. Uh, the choreography is like completely insane because it is like that original, yeah. like it's a full ballet. It's a full opera. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty wild. Um, and we don't really cover that a lot uh, in this, but it's because it, it's such a vocal show, but there, it's a really beautiful thing to watch. Um, critically uh, mixed to mm. okay. It's funny because if you read parts of Frank Rich's Times Review, it's glowing, but then it's filled with this like him despising Andrew Lloyd Webber, <laughs> but still like recognizing that the show has a lot of uh, entertainment value, right? Yeah. So it says what one finds instead, uh, it what one finds is an Andrew Lloyd Webber project, long on pop professionalism and melody but impoverished of artistic personality and passion. But it's redeemed by Hal Prince and Maria Bjornsson and the mesmerizing, who uh, Maria Bjornsson is the designer, and the mesmerizing actor, Michael Crawford. <laughs> uh, Sarah Brightman did not get very good reviews, so we'll, we'll uh, move right along on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, historically in the world at the time in 1987, for those of you who were born after that date, October 19th <laughs> of 1987, so the few months prior was the start of that 1987 recession that was that black monday day yeah. where the dow jones fell 22 percent. so pretty impressive actually that they made it through this recession to get to the point where they were but they you know they were a commercially successful show in in london that transferred over yeah. so i guess that kind of makes sense ronald reagan was the yeah. president at the time there have been five presidents since phantom of the opera opened <laughs> faith by george Just michael an absurd was the most stat like <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like Faith by George Michael was the most popular song on the Billboard chart in 1988. Oh, I guess it was Rain nice. Man. Yeah. Rain Man won the Academy Award again. for Best Movie. And the Love first it. known computer virus was used in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the first intercontinental internet link was made between the United States and Europe. So before then, Europe and the United States were on separate internet lines, which is pretty crazy to oh, think about now, how far along this has gone. Um, so Lord. from what we can find about the development of the show, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber first approached Jim Steinman. Mm -hmm. Jim Steinman, you may know, we got a connection from writing there. Bat Out of Hell, the Meatloaf musical. Yep. A Meatloaf yep. album that has been turned into a musical. Didn't you do a um, concert of his music at 54 Below? Yeah. And I yep. was in for, for Bad Out of Hell a bunch of times too. I also um, read something, but, and this may not be true, but that Cameron McIntosh also approached um, uh, uh, Schoenberg, uh, uh, Michael uh, Schoenberg and Bill, the, the Les Mis guys, to write this. To actually write the music to Phantom. That was oh, on the I depths of the internet. I, I don't know that. if that's true. Interesting. If like, cause McIntosh, it was Macintosh's idea and then approach. Interesting. Maybe, I don't know if that could be, we could be spreading some gossip. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that might be fake news, Joe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> however, Alan J. Lerner was actually writing the music for the piece and Whoa. became very ill and withdrew, but he wrote a lot of the song Masquerade, which is interesting wow. because Masquerade doesn't totally fit 
Totally. Jim, totally. Jim's making a face. Does that no, sound you, false? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, cause initially I was like, yes, I've heard this, some of this before, especially the learner thing. Yeah. But so is he still credited on Masquerade? No. Like, no. like would his name be on my sheet music for Masquerade? No. Oh. Oh, interesting. Well, it, actually that's interesting. It's not obviously on the credits for the show, for the production, but it may be on the it, sheet like music. The ASCAP. Like the you'd song. have to look at like the BMI, yeah. like sort of like, the very yeah. specific, because even like in Hamilton, there is stuff that like like credited on, uh, and I want to do a whole show about this, but credited on uh, the Ten Dual Commandments is the notorious Big I G B I G is credited with the Ten Crack Commandments, which the song was based on. So like, right? But then oh, the music and lyrics for the show are just Lin Manuel Miranda, right? So right. I, right, I wonder if that's something that like if you really were to look at like the the jacket for the album. If Alan J. Lerner is actually credited with writing it. Uh, I would love to know that. That'd be That's awesome. really interesting. Yeah. Uh, because then obviously uh Richard Stilgo uh comes in and, and writes a lot of the lyrics and Charles Hart, who was an unknown unknown lyricist at the time, rewrote a lot of the lyrics and wrote the original lyrics for Think of Me. So yeah. there's like a whole kind, it was kind of like all over the place as far as who made it. And I think Joe has a special segment about that, perhaps yes. moving forward. Here, uh, but we can get to that when we get into the music section. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah. keep rolling. We'll talk about the creative team and who was involved. Obviously, yeah. Hal Prince directed, which we're not really going to talk about here because yeah. we talked plenty about him last week, so you can go listen to the company episode if you want to learn more about or Hal Prince. Or our Hal Prince episode from last year. Check it out. Like the yeah. when, when he passed away, we did a whole episode about his, That's true. his stuff, so we could you know, check that out as well. You can check that out too. Um, but I did want to mention something that I think is part of the reason why the show has done so well, and that is this idea that watching the stage production... There's so much surprise that he built into this piece where you really don't know what's going to happen next. And it's obviously got fire and there's uh, <laughs> flames coming out of the floor. And, and, but, and there's so much contrast and like things really settle and then things explode. And you really don't expect what's the next thing. I was so struck watching the scene at the end of the show when he's got Raul in the, in the noose, spoilers, and then he decides whether or not he's going to hurt Raul or let him go in that moment. And I really was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I didn't remember what was going to happen. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea. This is so good. I'm so <laughs> like at the edge of my seat, you know? And we forget that uh, there's a lot of craft here. It's not just commercial hype. It's a lot of really, really brilliant storytelling that has been built into this show that still stands today, 30 years later. Totally. Totally. A lot of like almost ancient theatrical tricks, you know, where it's like, too, it's just like sure. classic, you know, you sort of stage presence stuff, you know, the, the, the fire, like you said, the, the sleight of hand stuff, the, you know, stuff that, you know, look yeah. over here as the phantom disappears over there. Like it's very basic, yep. but it's so effective. And I mean, getting into the section where we talk, you know, I, I, I think, do we want to talk about our response to it? Like what we love about it? Um, oh, or do shit. You do I that? skipped over that, didn't Cause, I? Yeah, because what I, I, I really want to hear, Jim, like how you, because not only working on the piece, but like where you found, where, where it found you, you know, because I saw it when I was like 12. I saw it in Chicago. I will never forget, you know, it's one of these things where like, if you haven't seen it, 
it's been on Broadway for 30 years. Like we're going to spoil some stuff, but like, we're not going to spoil some stuff. Um, <laughs> like, like when the boat comes out, when the boat, you know, the whole Dude. boat sequence, like how do you know, I'm like 12 years old. I'm like, how do they do that? Then he disappears. Mm-hmm. How do they do, you know, into the, into the whatever, how do they do that? You know, all of this stuff is just like still, and it still totally works. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just, I, I completely you, loved it. Oh my God. I mean, on a general sense, like Phantom was my first musical. Uh, it was my mm. first musical I ever saw on Broadway. It, that movie musical was like definitely one of the first movie musicals I had ever seen in my life. Uh, I bought the movie album and bumped it in my car for f- all four years of high school. <laughs> bumped like, it. I, I feel like people have their the like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like people have their like, their spectacle musical, right? That like yeah. is there in to the industry really entirely. So yeah. mine was definitely Phantom. I didn't even really know Les Mis until like college and I barely know Miss Saigon right now. So like I'm definitely yeah. like a Phantom guy. <laughs> I don't want to generalize, but I do feel like it's kind of one or the other. Like you're kind of like in the Phantom camp or in the Les Mis camp when you're like 10 years old and you're like, oh my God, yeah. I didn't even know this was possible. I feel that way too. Um, and so that is, it's definitely, it, it feels like my musical. Um, yeah. And... I don't know. I think when I moved to New York in 2014, I was like, you know, they always want, you know, it just come out of college and they want you to know what your type is and they want you to like, uh, be prepared for, for things that you can be in right away at that moment. And never, never in my entire life was I like, they're going to put me in Phantom of the Opera. I was like, there's no way (laughs) I can't cover anyone. I like, I could maybe be like the auctioneer in 20 years. Like there is no spot Yo, for me. The auctioneer in the 25th anniversary thing is Earl Carpenter who played Javert for like a gajillion years. He just comes Wild. out and he's like lot six, six, five. And I was like that dude. And he did. I'm pretty sure he did Les Mis with, with my wife, Alex on Broadway. I'm pretty sure. Oh, no did. kidding. Yeah. That's anyway, awesome. So like you could totally be the auctioneer, <laughs> but this is my point. Like, I was doing, uh, what was I doing? I th- oh my gosh. Actually, we'll tie Ben Crawford into this later, but I was doing a show with Ben Crawford when I got, who is the current Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. When mm-hmm. I got a text from one of my very good friends who at that moment was the resident director on the Phantom tour. Um, this is probably like late 2015. Um, and he was like, hey, we have a track opening for the Rowl understudy. And I was like, la, 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 la. Like, no, that's not gonna. <laughs> he was like, I think you should call your agent and see if you can get um, an appointment. And I was like, okay, uh, sure. Right. I like, you know, text my agent. He's like, yeah, we'll push for you. Which like, I love my agents mm-hmm. to death, but like, w- what does that mean? You know? And so like when I got a call that was like, okay, you have an appointment. I was like, fine okay fine i i don't know why i was like really holding back this thing because i was just like there's no shot there's no shot and then i went in and i only had one audition it was like um Mm -hmm. uh a dance call first with three other people um total one was a christine cover one was obviously the Raoul who was like up against me and then another person was probably a potential carlotta cover as a guest uh, we did a movement call and then I, I stayed and got changed and, uh, did the Ralph stuff and went home and I didn't hear for like, I think three weeks. 
And then they were like, yeah, come on out. You're the row cover. And I was like, wow. Oh, That's okay, so cool. Fine. I, should I would, I mean, I would die to hear you sing all that stuff. So, well, we're going to get know. to our dream casting section in, in yeah, a minute. For sure. Ooh, yeah. and your, your name for might sure. come, come up again. So I don't know yeah. if I answered your question. No, you that did, was it. Sure. That was okay. it. Dan, yeah. what was yours? How did you discover this thing? Uh, I went to see Phantom in 2004, four, three, four, yeah. at a touring at Providence Performing Arts Center. And I will never forget the heat that came off the stage when the fire happened. Yep. Yep. It definitely was not my kind of musical. I was definitely not the kind of kid who was listening to legit musicals. <laughs> I'm the adult who listens to legit <laughs> musicals. And like last night I was texting Mike Ruckles, my voice teacher being like, can we work on Phantom? Cause like, this is so sick. I want to do this so bad. This is such a good show. I feel like both of you are um, perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We, we've both got, we've gone in before, like yeah. side by side going in for the last time that the last time I went in, we, we went in together. We were, we were sitting yeah. out there together. Um, oh, Phantom's one of those shows and I'm a huge fan of Mary Sugarman who casts it and oh, Phantom's just one of those shows I've auditioned for it probably four times and yeah. it just is not it's never matched up and like I get it but I see the like the pictures of John Riddle right now like yeah. backstage yeah. like getting drenched in water before he like goes back out you know what I mean like like I'm like I kind of want to really do this so I think oh, I got to call man. Mike Ruckles too yeah I don't know you have like such Patrick Wilson vibes for me Joe I feel oh, like that's, that's yes. definitely something you could you could definitely do yes uh, dude. what do we say we jump back in here yep. and, and uh keep going yep yep so yep. we were I skipped over that section and I apologize but <laughs> maybe I'll fix it in the edit nah. maybe not who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> the show is written, uh, Book of Music, were written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, who, if you don't know, you must live under a rock. Lord he wrote Andrew Lloyd Joseph Webber. and the Amazing... <laughs> correct. He wrote uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, Avita, Cats, Sunset Boulevard, School of Rock, etc., etc. He has a couple shows in development right now. The lyricist for, the, for this show was Charles Hart, who has only written Bend It Like Beckham huh. since... Uh, the book was written by Richard Stilgo, whose other credit includes Starlight Express. The show was produced by Cameron McIntosh, who we've mentioned a few times. Cameron McIntosh was the lead producer of Cats. He then approached Bobiel and Schoenberg to bring Les Mis, which was then just a concept album to the stage, which opened in 1985, and Phantom opened the next year. Uh, obviously he then was a large name in the business and still is. He opened Miss Saigon in 1989. He brought Mary Poppins to the stage with Disney in 2006. He then was involved with all of the shows we just mentioned that have been revived several times in the U S and in the UK. Mm -hmm. And he's currently one of the producers of Hamilton in London. Doesn't he uh, also lighting? own like 10, 10 theaters in London too? I think I, I, I like they I, own a it's, yeah, he, it's something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. Useful, he is really the, useful group. He is yeah. the conglomerate of the West End. Yeah. Um. So as I mentioned earlier, Maria Bjornsson designed the costumes and the set, and she won the Tony for both. Which I don't know how Just many times that's happened, but so. couldn't have been a lot. Um. She designed all of the sets. She designed over 200 costumes, including every single gown that's worn in the masquerade sequence, which is pretty magnificent. The costumes are insane. They're insane. There's some number about how many beads are in the costumes and in the chandelier, but I couldn't get a, an exact one, so I just left that out. But I used it's a to lot. know it. Damn it. 
I used really? <laughs> it's one billion. No, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's six billion, one for every dollar that has been made. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, obviously, she designed the chandelier, the subterranean gondola, the staircase. Um, there are 150 trap doors in the production at the Majestic Theater. There are 24 surround speakers, which isn't totally in her category of things that she would worry about, but I think it adds to the ambiance, the amb- the <laughs> ambiance, the ambiance of the, it of adds the vibe of this to, show adds to the ambient. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so like I said, there's, there's uh, 230 costumes in the production. There's 111 wigs. That's, and the that's show, crazy. And the show uses it's Yeah. Right. Just, just for, for everyone's brains, there's like, eight wigs and waitress and it was like the most complicated thing ever so yep. think of 111 right. wigs yep. um and the show uses 400 pounds of dry ice to yep. create the grotto the lake i effect. when i was when i was doing once uh the stage door to the jacobs is next to the stage door to the majestic and i'd be walking right. in sometimes when they were doing the deliveries of dry ice and seeing this stuff come in they have these massive coolers, ice cooler, like outside. And these, they, they, they bring in, and it's like they're bringing in the lake with them because there's like <laughs> fo- the fog and like all of these. And then they're, they're pulling the big pieces of fog out. It was crazy to see. It's just like stacked up everywhere. Wow. In the, How in did that work big, on the road? So, I mean, I, based on the numbers you've been saying, I would say like we are pretty much exactly half of like everything from cast mm. and crew to, I, I don't know about the um, dry ice, but like. What other no- you were throwing out numbers about, um, like, well, we don't have any yeah. trap doors, but uh, the amount of fire, like, uh, just v- it, it feels mm-hmm. like uh, maybe an oversimplification, but I feel like half is probably a solid number in terms of like everything, yeah. the wigs, the like, yeah, you know, just the costumes right. in general. Yeah, that's a right. gasp. But totally, I bet you wouldn't even notice the difference yeah. either. I mean, I have, I have never seen something that large and I don't think I ever will. Uh, right. <laughs> right. It's still yeah. massive. It's still yeah. so much it's bigger just the than, spectacle than anything thing. comparable. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're also going into spaces that are different sizes and stuff too. So it just makes it easier to move. Um, although what's cool about touring houses for those who don't know is that they're usually bigger than Broadway houses. Right. So right. Just right. a little fun fact of how I can't imagine how jammed these people are into the majestic. Like Seriously. it's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to get into the cast the, uh, pretty quickly here. Talk a little bit about some of the casting and, and our dream casting in this casting segment. There are over 400 actors who have appeared in the New York production. That was as of a few years ago. So I'm sure it's updated. That's a lot of jobs. Um, 15 actors have played the Phantom. That number is also probably wrong, but it obviously was originally Michael Crawford. Hugh Pinero uh, played the Phantom. Uh, Howard McGillen played the Phantom. Peter Yoback made his Broadway debut as the Phantom. Norm Lewis was the first black Phantom. James Barber played the Phantom, and obviously Ben Crawford right now is playing the Phantom. Ramin Karamloo, who does it in the 25th anniversary, did... I want to say he definitely did... West End, and I think he did the North American tour or the Canadian tour or something, but he never did it on Broadway. He made his Broadway debut in Les Mis, mm. which is pretty crazy because once that guy arrived, everyone was like, oh, right. he's the star. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Didn't you know? take much. Yeah. But we'll he was to... much later in his career. Just uh, so 
uh, Ali Ewalt was the first Asian American woman to play Christine, which is a cool fact. I think that there's, we'll get into this for me when we talk about like what's aged about the show. And I think some of the casting seems to have been a bit behind, uh, but obviously those things will probably work themselves, hopefully work themselves out as the show continues. Um, I've got a quick quiz for oh you guys. Oh, I'm nervous. Man, man we need a, a sound effect for quizzes, Joe. <laughs> dun, 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 a, dun. So who, there was one actor who played 2,500 2, performances as the Phantom. Who is that actor? George. I mean, How, Howard McGillan, I would guess. Shit. No, uh, 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 George Leanders. No, Jim was right. Jim Howard McGillan, let's go. Wait, as the Phantom? Oh, I'm sorry. How, yeah, Howard McGillan. I'm sorry. I was thinking about the, the guy who is the longest running. Per, he did the show for 25 years or whatever. Oh, oh I see. He did like 9,000 performances of, of Phantom. Like the longest running per, sorry. person yeah, in the wild. show. I see. Yes, it was Howard McGillan. Correct. You win a prize. Ding, it's ding, being ding, ding, on ding. this show. I don't know what it is. I'm a bad at prizes. A guys who like musicals <laughs> gift basket that you'll never get. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you shouldn't bring that up. Um, so here we go. Keep going with some casting. Um, Judy Kay was the original Carlotta. She won a Tony. She went on to play Emma Goldman in the original Ragtime. And she was the original Rosie in Mamma Mia. And she won a Tony for Nice Work If You Can Get It. Sarah Brightman we did was Cinderella the original. Together. Oh, did you? Yeah, we were she Cinderella on Broadway. Fairy She's the fairy godmother. Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, Sarah Brightman made her West End debut in Cats, where she met Andrew Lloyd Webber, whom she then married and then very publicly divorced after playing Christine on Broadway. Uh, and the movie rights fell apart because of that divorce. So the movie was going to be made in the 90s and then uh, wasn't because uh, the rights were tied up in the divorce wow. settlement. So that's what delayed it, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little in a little while. But um, there's a little thing here that I got from Wikipedia about Sarah's being cast in the show, and they basically like Actors Equity was not going to let her play Christine, and they had to make a whole American back and Equity. Forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Because at that time, like there's like a trade bartering program where you need to trade talent back and forth, and so they had to work hmm. something out for that. Yeah, basically, like if we if if Americans go to the UK, then then uh, you know um, UK actors can come mm -hmm. to Broadway, um, right? So a little casting history from the movie: Hugh Jackman was asked to play uh, the Phantom, but was not wow. available because he was filming Van Helsing. Ah, what also a film. John Travolta was very close to playing the Phantom, but not as close as Antonio Banderas, who went so far as to do like public performances as the Phantom and then was replaced. Still on YouTube. Whoa. You can find them. Yeah, but you can find it, which I have seen, uh, which we should... No, we're not going to plug that in here. we got too much to do. <laughs> yep. Katie Holmes was the front runner to play Christine in the film, uh, but she was replaced by Anne Hathaway, who then dropped out of the production because she was doing Princess Bride, uh, the mm. sequel. Um, Patrick Wilson was Raul by far the strongest voice in the yeah. show <laughs> Without or in question. the movie. So good. So good. Um, at that time, he'd already uh, gotten his Tony nom for Oklahoma and he uh, led the production of Full Monty and had done Angels in America. So he was like on his way to being yep. a Total big star. A-lister. Um, <laughs> A-lister. 
Thank you for listening to our show. As always, you can check us out on Instagram at Guys Who Look Musicals or on Twitter at Musical Guys. And we just started a Patreon page, which is the best way for you to support our show. If you love our show, check it out. There's tons of cool opportunities for listeners on there. So check it out. Thank you so much. Love you. What if stream casting? Who's your uh, Who's your dream, Christine? Dream Phantom Joe Carroll? What do you say? Well, I've always thought that Alex Fink would be an amazing Christine. That's kind of a cop Truth. out. Um, but I thought that would be. I think that she would be an amazing Christine. Um, you know, but we're we're kind of on a Josh Henry kick, but I would love to hear his Phantom mm. because he's got the like the ability to do the yelling. Mm-hmm. I think is so interesting. Like what I love about, mm-hmm. you know, Ramin in the, in the 25th movie is that like, th- frankly, he can yell. It's like a, it's a guttural yeah. scream throughout mm-hmm. all of the end and the final layer and like the end of act one, which we'll get to and all that mm-hmm. stuff that we love. But it's like, you can't just be like, you know, you've killed my angel of music. You like, you have to yeah. like lean, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then I love you actually have this, so I'm going to steal it. But but like Paul Nolan as as Raul, like sign him oh, up. Oh, interesting. I was thinking of him as the Phantom. So ah. well, I was I was kind of having the same ideas because yeah. when you when they talk about the movie, they were like, we wanted this to be like a rock and roll Phantom. Yeah, that's why they got Gerard Butler because they wanted it to be like sexier. And I think that's something that Ramin has in what he's doing, where he sounds like equal parts rock and roll star and equal parts. Uh, classical legit singer. Yeah. And I think that that is why like somebody like Paul Nolan or a Josh Young who you know can do like rock screaming or right. Jim Hogan yeah, would be great as the Phantom because they have all of those things. Even like Jeremy Jordan too, which yeah. like I would pick Jeremy Jordan to sing anything just because yeah. that's where my like taste is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, somebody who's got that straight Tony like ah, nasty thing yeah. would be so sick to me. And I also think- such a rock show too. Like you don't, you for forget sure. that like, you know, like all of the, the Phantom of the Opera, the song is like a rock and roll electric guitar number. Oh yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? So exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would do, I would love to see some, uh, Christine's of color. So I would love to see like a Salea Pfeiffer or a Brittany Coleman, Mm -hmm. um, or Brittany Johnson. That's the girl who's in, uh, wicked. Yeah. I think she would be great too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they should probably make that move as soon as possible. (laughs) IMO in my opinion. Yes. Yes. Um, what do you think, Jim? What, what are your choices? I think that. Until he was cast, I would have told you that Ben Crawford was my dream Fanta. I just, I had oh, no heard shit. his stuff. Him and I have worked on a lot of um, symphony shows together with the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra. And that guy can do He's... anything. Uh, and when he yep. was cast, I was just thrilled for him. And I, I know that he's doing such a killer job, but I haven't seen it. Uh, in terms of like a dream scenario... Uh, I definitely would have said Josh Henry. I think that's would, would blow my mind. I really think my dream phantom who has not done it. And to my knowledge is not scheduled to do it would be Leslie Odom jr. I think there is an Mm. opportunity there to make a (laughs) shift into this like silky smooth tone while still having this like insane acting ability to just kind of go anywhere with it. Um, yeah. and I think that could, could offer just a completely different side. And that's something I would, I think I would pay a lot of money to see. You're a 
100%. He's very busy being a movie star. <laughs> so and that's the thing. Is who like, knows what he's up to? I mean, Pippa Sue, I think, would make a terrific Christine. I mean, Audra would make a, would have, would have, would, would have, whatever, made an amazing Christine. So I think you're totally right in yeah. terms of um, an actress of color. Yeah, it is time. for sure. Okay, let's get into the music, boys. Do you want to hear my rendition of uh, The Phantom of the Opera? No. Because I haven't done it yet. Sorry. This is, I, people have turned off this podcast. If you've made it this far, thank you. God I'm bless sorry. You. I'm sorry. Um, we tried to go fast and it didn't work. No, so. we're, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Maybe we're, we'll talk about the music first next time. <laughs> um, the orchestra. Uh, we, we wrote this down. This is one of these things that I don't think people totally realize that, you know, on Broadway, it's 29 pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. Got that right. I don't know how many you guys had on mm-hmm. the road, Tim, but the idea like shows on Broadway do not have 30 piece orchestras anymore. 28, no, 29, don't even have 10. Yeah. 28, 29 pieces is, is unheard of. And frankly, like you said, like barely 10 and everything on synthesizer is kind of the norm. And it's really sad, you know, so like, you know, to go and actually hear that score played, you know, eight times a week with, with, with an actual 29 piece orchestra is just, I mean, it's, it's really rare. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We had, yeah, how many, how we, many pieces did you have? On I the think road? we had about 14 or 15. Uh, we toured with, yeah. um, pretty good. a music director and three, um, keyboard players. Um, so we, we mm-hmm. did have a oh, lot, interesting. um, stripped down to synthesizers, but we did have plenty of like local musicians come in, uh, at each city. So mm-hmm. yeah. that to me was still very impressive, uh, for, for the road. You know what I mean? People probably don't totally realize that like when touring shows go around to different cities, they tour with some musicians from New York and then they get local hires in the cities they're in union musicians in the cities they're in to fill out the rest of the orchestra. So if you go see a production of Phantom of the opera in Denver, the majority of that orchestra is going to be made up of musicians from Denver, which is like pretty cool. I think a lot of people would think that like they mm-hmm. all come from New York and that's not usually the case. Usually it's like the drummer, one keyboard player. And then like, if it's, gypsy they'll bring the trumpet player or whatever but like that's basically it right uh pretty production numbers who's got a favorite production number or a favorite like scenic moment will work yeah yeah jim you want to go first i mean the transition into the final layer on the road is just one of the most like magical things i've ever seen we have this 40 foot wall on stage that never leaves and it's on a turntable, so it's kind of like, and it has so many uses and purposes, but as you get into the final layer, it kind of literally in front of you opens in a circular motion, and the phantom comes down in the boat from upstage down with the with the fog pouring, and so it's, I think, I think we were initially talking about the transition into the first layer uh, in the brilliant original production. For me, yeah. it's yeah. the transition into the final layer. Uh, where he's bringing Christine nice. back and down once more and all this, like, uh, it's just, oh, uh, it's amazing. Mm. I love it. Yeah. So, so, so much. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I find that like, first of all, I mean the classic, like the mask at the end, um, the mm-hmm. way that the, the single spotlight hitting the mask and that as the, Meg picks it up, as Meg picks like, it up is just, yeah. I'll never forget watching it for the first time when I was 12 and being like, even as a 12 year old or whatever, being like, wait, that's, that's the poster. That's yeah. the, <laughs> That's the image. That's the image for the poster. Yes. You know, like, yes. And the you, know, the, you have that uh, one yeah. rest. You have the cord where it's like. Wait one second. <laughs> <laughs> Curtain in. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
This is I this know. is stunning. I know. Um, that's actually, um, Dan, do you have a favorite? Cause that's, a, that's, uh, that's exactly into what the goosebump test. N- now that we're talking about oh, the, the next section. I, yeah. Know. I would just say like the masquerade masquerade ball, which is like, yeah. you know, we were talking about choreography earlier. It's so simple and performative and like Gilbert and Sullivan-y, yep. right. The movie choreography is really kind of modern and cool. And they use these the fans yep. and they do a lot of really cool shapes with the fans and stuff. But in the old stage version, it's like pantomime, but you have these three groups doing pantomime yep. at the same time. It's super epic. Yep. I think it's awesome. Yeah, totally. Goosebump test. Yeah. So I think that this goes, this goes really, the, the whole thing is just a massive goosebump test. Seriously. Um, for me, it starts right off the get where it's just this slow, weird auction. And it's just these yeah. like, okay, huh, you know, and, and lot 662 and 663 and $10 for this. And you're kind of like, what are we watching? <laughs> and then in the 25th anniversary version, Earl Carpenter, Javert, says... Perhaps we can frighten away the ghost with some illumination. Gentlemen! There goes the friggin' oh, yeah. uh-huh. chandelier. Perhaps we may frighten away the ghost of so many years ago with a little illumination. Gentlemen! Yeah, I don't care who you are, man. That, it just gets yes, me. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah. For sure. So, um, yeah, mine was a lot of like Ramin screaming. Yeah, I just am like a sucker for like a rock <laughs> scream, and some of these uh, when he's screaming, sing at her. Yeah, in Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> What about you, Jim? You know, it's it's kind of like playing off of Joe's. The transition out of the um, auction into the Opera Populaire is yeah. just is wild to me because you have it's really well staged on tour. Uh, I would love to see it on Broadway again. Um, you have this really old Raoul, and you you barely know who he is until he starts like singing around the thing, and then you know you. Um, Mm-hmm. You have the the monkey, the music box, and everything, but it's the it's after that. It's when he says "gentlemen" that some people just kind of like magically turn into people in eighteen, like in the eighteen hundreds, right? So it's like you have mm-hmm. this before mm-hmm. your eyes. Everything yep. is changing until you have bop 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 bop, and it's just Carlotta, like ah! like it's just it just <laughs> happens in a way that is like mind-blowing to me that they're able to like transition between those two time periods so perfectly that would be that would be my goosebump moment for sure yeah the the old-fashioned stage magic where they use it becomes cinematic totally right because it's so well done it like you pass time but in a way that's so much harder than you can do it in a movie because in a movie they can go close up close up new time period which they do really beautifully in the film but it's it's 
really magic to see it. Um, anybody have any favorite motifs? Um, yes. Um, I think we wrote this down, Dan, that just, well, here, the fucking organ. Yeah. Like it just, you got to mm-hmm. talk about it because it's, it's iconic. Um, but for me, Jim, you were alluding to it earlier, the slow chords underneath the end of music of the night that are then yes. at the end of the show, that, that slow, that, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh my God, give it to me, please Honestly. give it to me. Like it's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that one is probably uh, my favorite. I love the the music box too. Playing the the monkey playing masquerade is yeah, it's that's super iconic. iconic. May I start at twenty francs? Fifteen then? Fifty nine bid. Twenty sir, thank you. Twenty. Twenty five, thank you, madam. Thirty. Selling at thirty then. Thirty once, twice. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think those I just, are like absolutely love that. two of the the only one we haven't really touched on is like, um, well, I guess is it technically from. Yeah, yeah, like it's in the notes. Also, like, what, what even is that? It's in <laughs> what is it? It's in Pass the Point it's all over, return, right? Yeah. Um, it's yep, just like sprinkled yep, through. Yep, they, I don't know how he came up with that. It's just yeah. genius. A collector's piece, indeed. Every detail, exactly as she said. She often spoke of you, my friend. Your velvet lining and your figurine of lead. Will you still play when all the rest of us? It's so that's the thing. Like I, I, we were talking about it earlier today. It's just all over the map. Like like how was that the 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 line that he wrote under the recitative? Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it's pretty crazy, and it's like. This is one of those things where it's so, and Sondheim will will scoff at the amount of music used in the show, but he does such a good job of threading songs through so that you'll never forget them. Like that's an Andrew Lloyd Webber signature. Mm -hmm. You will never forget eight of the songs in this show because they're just going to play over and over and over throughout the whole thing. Exactly. Um, Exactly. What about favorite lyrics, boys? Anything? For me, like there's all the classic ones and you guys, I mean, we could touch on all of them, but the the, the one that got me rewatching and re-listening to it this week was the hide your face so the world will never find Mm you. That Mm -hmm. she sings, it's like, that he gets, he sings it in in the lair. It's like, God, to me, this is a musical about like, don't be a bully. You know, like the Phantom gets so like he, first of all, there's like a whole bunch of like, he's, he's not necessarily a nice guy, but I was looking at it and I was like, just don't make yeah. fun of people for their disfigurement and like what makes them different, whatever, you know, because then mm-hmm. they're going to kidnap people and kill people and burn the opera down, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. that to me was just so kind of that, that weird human thing where you're like, you don't want to like the phantom, but you do. He's a really bad guy, but he's not. Yeah, he's got that Svengali thing. It reminds yeah. me of uh, 
where he's over controlling and he's terrible to Christine, but you sympathize with him. It's like the it's like Joker, the, the yes, most recent right, Joker right. film. You know, it's got that those elements where you're like, wait, this doesn't really age well because I don't want to root for this guy, but also they do a pretty good job of making you see where he's coming from and making him likable in the end because he does the right thing and all of those things. Totally. I'm a sucker for all I ask of you. Yep. Um, so all, basically all the lyrics in that song are just right up my alley. I've always been a sucker for a romance. So, yep. Yeah, no, and it's like, and it's, and you, it's so human. It's so easy to deliver that text via singing, right? Cause it's just like so conversational and kind of like everything you want to be given as an actor. I always right. loved mm -hmm. that moment on the roof because like this this crazy girl, Christine, are you kidding? You're about to jump off this roof right now? Come on. And then you can just like use these lyrics so mm -hmm. easily to kind of like calm her down. Uh, I, I totally agree. things that really got me that I just I had to bring up because especially like with a couple of singers I remembered listening to music of the night for the first time and when he's and he hits the soar in the middle of music of the night and he floats the the a your eyes, let your spirit start I'm like, I was just learning. I remember I was like, I was again, I was like 12, 13 years old. I'm just learning about voice lessons and like falsetto and like what that is, whatever. So he hits this, the note in his high, in his falsetto. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like this. And then he comes out and belts the second one and it broke me. broke me as a 12 year old and it still breaks me every time because it's like that right in that note in the male voice where you can flip it and it sounds beautiful and then you could punch it and it sounds amazing anyway music wise that is one of these things that i just for me that song is like you know once we get now we're getting into songs or whatever that is just it's still iconic for me yeah for sure and then how do you hit that low um, note afterwards you just did yeah I'm like, come it's on. It's literally two octaves in a yes. measure, right? <laughs> you you get that one little like to like give you like what? A, a second to compose yourself? Like, what do you oh my like yeah, exactly. come on. Falling, sweet intoxication. Touch me. Trust me. Yeah. You just take take a couple swallows and try and get your larynx <laughs> right. to settle in, and you need a cigarette and, a, and <laughs> some <Seriously? laughs> Give me a shot, no. chug yeah. a whiskey, and then get going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did just sort of jump jump to music stuff, but what are uh, any more iconic songs? Any more like so. like like favorite favorite musical moments? I don't know. It's like I I think it's hard for me to answer that question any other way than Masquerade because it's just this like. Yeah amazing party uh, so well written so well constructed 
I just, and, and being in that moment on stage was so fun every night. But selfishly, yeah. I think, I think mm-hmm. I've talked to a few Christine and Phantoms about this. There's the trio, right? There's the, um, oh yeah. gosh, what's it called? The trio yeah. and the layer? Oh, actually, or the, so you have the final layer, right? That's yeah. epic. And, and it's yeah. just, you get like, oh, these lines get to like... There, because I, I knew it from the movie so long in my head that when I went to the road, I wanted to be like speaking things, and they were like, "What are you, what are you doing? This is sung. <laughs> there are notes on this page for a reason." I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah. The final air, the trio that they have is just magical. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the Raul audition too, or part of it. Yeah, is that? Yep. That's so freaking um, cool. Dan, you have on here too, just one more that, uh, about the, mm-hmm. um, you will curse the day you did not do that. The end of act one, mm-hmm. oh, just, man. just, you know, drop it in here. You will curse the day you did not do. It just, it, it gets you. I'm like, oh my God, I got to go buy the t-shirt. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's still yeah. just like sends you to intermission. Like, oh no, oh no. What's he going to do? Well, off, yeah. you know, so uh, I freaking love that. For it's sure. so cool. Lo- it's so most great. replayed song. Most replayed song. Uh, for me, it's music of the night. James? It's probably all I ask of you. Yeah, same. Yep. However, that's all going to change, boys, because I'm getting that fan go in. Let's go. Right now. <laughs> My shower music has changed from Newsies to West Side Story to The Phantom. Perfect. <laughs> God, I, 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 I do not want to be and also really want to be your neighbor at the same time. Yeah. yeah um, that's, that's, or Julie, poor Julie. Um, so you got this, you got this, this, this thing here, Dan, um, to play. This is like games. You want to play, you want to do this or we, we were running yeah, out of time. Yeah. Let's, let's play some. No, we got some time. Sweet. Let's, let's uh, we're going to close up with some games and then we'll talk about uh, what age the best and what age the worst. And we'll, we'll get the hell out of here. I love it. James. Yes. Gerard Butler or Michael Crawford. <gasps> Michael Crawford. Joe. Michael Crawford. Yeah, no doubt. He's Cornelius. You got to go with the OG. Well, we know you're, a, we know you're <laughs> big. You're hello. Dollar guy. Guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who isn't? Know. We should Dolly cover that. Just, what are we yeah, doing? Yeah, we got to do that. We got to do that. We got to do that. We'll do Hello Dolly at some point. Great. Um, this next one's tricky. This one's trickier. Norm Lewis or Ramin? I, I'm not qualified to answer. I literally have heard and seen nothing from Norms, but I will say that I mm. am blown away well, by Ramin. I'll send you some YouTube links because <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Norm Lewis, but I do think that Ramin is just, it's kind of perfect. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just oh, he's an, so he's good. amazing. So yeah. 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 Sweet. He's, he's another guy who I'm basically like, if I can find his version of any single song I have to do, yeah. I try to find it. Yeah. Because oh, for sure. 
like yeah. he's got totally the the tone and, yeah. and the, the quality. I remember seeing him as Angeras um, in the 25th anniversary of Les Mis concert and being yeah. like, who is this guy? <laughs> Freaking guy played Marius <laughs> and Angeras <laughs> and Valjean. Uh, Jean Valjean. Yeah. And Raul and Phantom. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> just working his way through. He he's gonna be he's gonna be Furman or he's gonna be the old guys in like in like twenty five years he's gonna be the Absolutely. old guys. Exactly. Uh he play he was apparently used as the portrait for Emmy Rossum's father in the movie oh. too, which I didn't catch Whoa. when I was watching it this morning. But love that. Yep. Sierra Bogus or Brightman? For me, Bogus. No yeah, doubt. Sierra, for sure. No doubt. Yeah. Such a good actress. Like yep. Acting down in that yep. film, yeah, so good. Oh yeah, yep. um, I loved the film version of this because like all that stuff at the end. I mean, the lair is just epic in general. But like having yeah. a camera on Ramin's face in yep. the lair to be able to see what's really going on and like yeah. you know is just uh, we're it's fantastic. It's the just fact that performances and we're seeing that in Hamilton too. The fact that performances yeah. can live on camera yeah. that also can live in Royal Albert Hall yeah. is goals. Oh yeah. And if, yeah. If like if I'd seen more of that when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay, so this is our second game for today. This game is similar to a game we played in college when our professor played all of the different versions of um, songs from Wicked and we had to guess what language they were in. <laughs> I'm going to play different versions of The Phantom of the Opera and you guys are going to guess what language it's in. Oh, Let's I'm go. Fail. <laughs> I'm going to fail so hard, but I'm excited. This is the control. Okay. Yep. I got that one. Yep. Okay, that's the control. Great. German's your guess, Jim? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spanish? <sighs> what? <laughs> See, there's just no way. There's no Sorry. Way. There was no way. Here's the next one. It's it's Dutch. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Come on. This is a brutal game. This is such a brutal game. Anybody? Korean? Japanese? Hungarian. I can't even say I have <laughs> ever heard that language. <laughs> Dude. Hungarian? Hungarian. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, so there's a YouTube video that here game. that's 11 languages. Um, wow. So that's what that we were working wild. off of. That's unbelievable. Um, that's unbelievable. Okay. All right. Let's get, let's get, to, let's, let's, let's skip that game and never play that game again. <laughs> Great. Joe hated that game. So thankfully not many shows have been translated into 15 languages, so we won't play that again. Um, this is fun. You guys no. get to do this every week. This is awesome. I know. I uh, wanted to say one thing uh, yeah. if we get into just a, a quick like favorite phantom favorite Christine uh-huh. uh, sort of favorite casting that Rebecca Luker 
played Christine um, back uh, early in her career, and I think she would have been amazing. Um, we were passing ships at Cinderella, and she's mm. um, she's really sick right now. And I just I thought mm. I, I, oh. I saw that when I was doing research that she played that role, and I was like, oh my god, that would have been illuminous um, yeah. to to see her do it. Um, but yeah, any, any favorite favorite phantoms, favorite Christines over the course of time? Kind of already touched it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ramin is just still yeah. like rock star for me too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hugh Panero was my, was mm-hmm. my guy was with the guy I saw first. And so I think it's hard to, for mm-hmm. me to think of anything else. He's also a Philly guy. So there's some connection there too that I love. Go Sox. Um, <laughs> go Tigers. Um, <laughs> go Birds. I'll go down to Wawa, get a little glass. I thought this was funny. This is one thing we do. What's aged the best. What's aged the worst. Um, I think that what's aged the worst is love never dies. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like they're trying to make the sequel. They're trying to bring the sequel and it just, it's not working. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I haven't I even wanna... seen it. I know you can watch it. Um, no, I've heard Ramin sing um, till I hear you sing, but that's kind of all yeah. I got. Right. Yeah. They've been trying to bring that. They've been trying to make that happen for like, Jeez, I mean, I saw it in London in 2011. Oh wow! Um, and that was, and they had been working on it for like a decade before that, even. And now there, there, there is a U.S. tour. Or there was a U.S. tour, and it's just, it's not, it's not happening. But till I hear you sing, is an unbelievable song. But it's like the second song in the show. So you sit mm-hmm. there, and then you know, out he comes and sings that glorious tune, and then that's it. So anyway, yeah. I think what aged the best for me is that the show John Riddle talked about this in our interview. There's something to be said for the idea that the theater can employ a lot of people and that we don't have to make everything for super cheap. And I know it doesn't necessarily make sense to do a show that's really expensive because then it doesn't run as long, but there is some magic to that. And there is a lot of mystery and thrill to what this show does that you cannot do with an led screen because once you start doing that there's a lot of magic you can add with an led screen but it's like it's not as difficult so there's something that's missing from like an anastasia for me because it doesn't have the elaborate set pieces that it would have had if it were trying to compete with the phantom of the opera style certainly what about you jim what age the best for you Oh man, I mean, I don't mean to like go back to what we were already talking about, but the tunes, the melodies, yeah. Yeah. they literally get stuck in your head for days. Right. Um, and totally. that can be said for pretty much all Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, but still like those ones in particular, mm-hmm. y- you're leaving the theater and, and that exit music plays and, and then you're just going to have that with you for days, maybe mm-hmm. even weeks, depending on how obsessed you are. Totally. Totally. And I'm not gonna. I was gonna get into this, but we're since we're running out of time. I, 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 everybody, go check out. There's a couple of these these songs. This thing that I I, I was researching of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber has gotten accused of of like kind of stealing mem- melodies and stealing melodies from himself. And so go on a deep dive on Google about this because it's pretty amazing. Like memory from Cats is uh, Raval's Bolero. All I ask of you. He literally wrote, rewrote the words of that. Uh, rewrote rewrote the words to a song called I Don't Talk to Strangers that Placido Domingo uh, recorded. The mirror sequence is from uh, Prokiev's Alexander Nevsky, the opera. Uh, the opening uh, of Phantom of the Opera is technically, <laughs> it was stolen from Pink Floyd and Roger Waters, <laughs> or one of, the, one of the guys from Pink Floyd was like, actually, I don't really care. 
that's cool. Like, wow. just, just take it. And then Puccini, the Puccini estate actually sued Andrew Lloyd Webber over the lyrics to Music of the Night. Whoa. Because the, 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 um, No More Talk of Darkness, uh, Forget These Wild Eyed Fears was in a Puccini, Puccini opera. So I thought, and then they like settled out of court and stuff. So I don't know. That stuff kind of is like, you know, wow, that's that crazy. stuff is kind of, kind of cool and kind of like that you know, definitely didn't age well. No, yeah, that didn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the other so. thing that didn't age well for me is the fact that there were 250 white people on the stage in that 25th anniversary yeah. concert. I think, yeah, you know, yeah, we just yeah. have to do a better job of changing yeah. the way that we all know this, but it's worth saying again, because it's, you know, we have yeah, to we change should. what the stage looks like in order to represent the world as it is and the future that we want it to be. So that's definitely something that always plays in my head when I see something like this. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, well, Phantom of the Opera. Do you guys Phantom? want me to sing? Do you guys want me to sing can more you, of it? Or should we actually let Jim sing, perhaps? Yeah, because that's that what I want. Much better. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> Jim, I Jim? really wanted to talk about your TED Talk no, and your voice no. of Quasimodo. But oh, we, okay, we can uh, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I, I was going to introduce you with all of that, but we uh, had our technical difficulties, so we kept pushing through. But you guys should all go check out Jim Hogan, do a deep dive, and look for his TED Talk. It's genius. That's how I was introduced to Jim Hogan because Liam showed me your TED Talk when we were on the bus in American Idiot. Of course he did. Yep. And I was like, that guy's a star. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, guess what? We're putting it on the guys who like musicals Instagram this week. <laughs> the so, TED talk was so. a wild experience. <laughs> um, one that I don't know I would do exactly the same had I repeated it, but at least I, you know, it if is something I, I look back nickel. on and be like that. I wrote, I like wrote that, you know? Yeah. So like, I was like sort of, um, I have a complicated relationship with the TED talk, but, uh, the voice of quasi thing is like definitely my favorite experience ever, ever, yeah. ever, ever. So, you're unreal. Nice. That video is so good. Jim, thank you for being here. Cool. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Tim, thank thanks you everyone so for much. sticking around to listen to us blabber about Phantom of the Opera. Please <laughs> go do a double feature and watch Nerd the Alert. Royal Albert followed quickly by the movie because you can see how many things were changed. And you can also um, revel at some of the voices in that Royal Albert. It's insane. Um, yeah. Truly. Truly. Thank you, Phantom, Thank of, the you, Phantom Thank of the Opera. Thank you, Jim Hogan. Guys, thanks for having me. This was a blast. Thank you, Jim Hogan. This is another episode of Guys Like Musicals. Woo. <laughs> Thank you for listening to guys who like musicals we are produced by dan tracy and joe carroll your hosts you can find us on instagram at guys who like musicals or on twitter at musical guys for more information about us or our show please visit our new website at guys who like musicals.com you can find our merch store our patreon page and more thanks for listening
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 